Lead from the Side is made in partnership with Performance Leadership, a co-venture of Western Bulldogs and Victoria University. Hi, I'm Spencer Casimir, and this is Lead from the Side. Today's guest is Gary Hetherington, CEO of Leeds Rhinos in Leeds, England. He's also the former president of the RFL, board member of Super League Europe, ex-board member of PRL, Premier Rugby Limited, and chairman of Leeds Building Society Foundation, as well as many, many other things. Gary, welcome to the show. Yes, uh, good to be here. What's been different? What's been going on over in England in terms of Rugby League? We've got to look back over what's been quite a significant change in the game over the last uh, three or four years, in actual fact. Uh, Constitutionally, uh, the game's effectively come together. We did have a period where the Super League effectively uh, broke away from the RFL. We had two separate governing bodies and two separate organisations. Well, the Super League clubs have come back into the fold in many ways. Uh, We've seen the, uh, the creation of Rugby League commercials which is a really significant move. This is a, a, bit, a company that effectively sits under the RFL, whereby all the game's commercial properties flow into rugby league commercials. So that's quite a significant uh, move. Uh, Roderick Jones is the chief executive uh, of that organisation or the managing director. Uh, and, and we've also got, to very significantly, a new strategic partner in IMG. Uh, and that's a 12-year, an initial 12-year arrangement where they're coming in using their expertise uh, uh, and their resources to actually direct our game into where it needs to be going in terms of changes, uh, improve our attendances, broadcast viewership uh, and our commerciality as well. The game is quite healthy on the pitch. I think the contests are good and the Super League has never been more competitive than it is now. And I think there's a significant opportunity for our game. What are the biggest differences that you observe being on the English side of the rugby league equation between there and Australia over here? Uh, the game in Australia is really thriving. Uh, it's booming, in fact. You know, we get uh, coverage of three NRL games on television every week. Uh, and uh, you know, I have to say that uh, the NRL has never been more healthier than it appears to be now. And it's, it's noticeable how their crowds uh, and their audiences have increased. And I know their television audiences are very vibrant as well. And of course, our aim and an objective in the UK and France is to rival and to match the NRL to be just as big a competition. Of course, we've got other major sports to contend with, not least uh, football, uh, which in many ways dominates the sporting landscape of the UK. But that's part and parcel of the challenge. So yes, uh, we're full of admiration for what is happening in the NRL uh, and they are sort of leading from the front association football football is such a dominant force globally but this show is about chatting about leadership and how it manifests in the sports industry so gary tell me what's something about being a ceo that others wouldn't know unless they've been in that position yeah in some respects it's similar to being a head coach i reckon in that uh, you've got a specific objective head coaches have got to win games fundamentally Um, but of course as we all know it's there's much more to it than that and there's a lot of factors that go into actually developing a winning team uh, it's the same in business. In my view, there's a lot of similarities between sport uh, and business. And I think we've both got quite a bit to learn from each other. Uh, but yes, it's all about, you know, we are in a people business. All our customers, our fans, they don't have to come. Uh, we have to encourage them to come. We have to entice them to come. It's not an essential part of their life. It's a decision and a choice that they make. So we are constantly striving to increase our fan base 
to bond our fans, to become part and parcel of the club. Uh, for that reason, we make them feel very welcome into our organisation. Uh, and of course, we've got to manage a business. In, in our case at Leeds, it's a quite a diverse business. Uh, primarily, we are Leeds Rhinos as a sporting entity. So we're generating match day income. We're generating corporate income, advertising income as well. But we also have a hotel within our stadium. We've got conference and banqueting. We've got a retail operation. Uh, so we've got a variety of different income streams. All of them need expertise and, and dedication and determination. So I think the role of the CEO is a little like the head coach who oversees all his players and indeed his staff and has got to think through what they're thinking and what they're doing and how they can improve. Pretty much the same for a chief executive. He or she oversees that organisation. And I think it's, it's important that... Uh, not only do they get the day-to-day qualities of the organisation right and manage to very efficiently, but they're constantly looking to the future as well. So they've got short-term goals, medium-term, and in terms longer-term goals. Need to be constantly looking at what are you trying to create in the future? Is it realistic? Is it achievable? What do you need to do to actually get there? Many CEOs say that their greatest strength is to be able to step back and look at the big picture. Do you ever get the chance to do a deep dive yourself as well into, you know, one of the silos that you're passionate about? Or do you like to stay further back and make that holistic decision making process? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one of the things I'm keen for is all my staff, particularly the management, to also be visionaries themselves, to not be waiting for a lead from somebody else, but to be creative. And I think the role of the chief executive is to actually encourage people to become creative, to grow the sort of organisation, grow its values, grow its support base, um, grow its influence within the community all essential components of, of an organisation. As a sports brand, we've got a lot of privileges. You know, we're seen on a daily basis. We get huge media coverage, huge social media attention as well. So I think with little, we can put all those to our advantage because we can deliver a strong and powerful message. The sports business is a business, but it's a different business to most others. You know, our results are sort of posted every week. People take a genuine interest in all the decisions that we make. It's analysed, it's scrutinised, it's often criticised, but it's there. And so we do live in a, in a goldfish bowl existence, but that is the nature of professional sport. And, and when you don't get those decisions right, your customers, the fans, are very keen to let you know about it as well. Uh, so it doesn't go unnoticed. And that's the sort of environment that, uh, that we live in. But, you know, I think people in sport tell you they wouldn't want it any different. Want to develop your leadership potential this October? Join the Western Bulldogs and Victoria University for Performance Leadership, a two-day program offering unparalleled insight into leading in dynamic, high-performance environments. Places for the October 5th and 6th intake are limited, so prospective attendees are encouraged to visit education.westernbulldogs.com.au to register interest today. Today, with social media in the landscape of sport, people feel like they're so much closer to the game. What's the, what is one of the things that somebody who is passionate about sport would be missing out on unless they were on the sideline and part of an organization? I think what sport does, it drives ambition, it drives motivation, it drives 
the sort of emotion of the sport. You know, people want to win and they want to win every week. You know, running a business, you, you, you're looking for growth over a period of time. In sport, a lot of it's instant gratification, really. Everybody's looking to next week. But of course, you know, what the, the leadership have got to be doing is looking to next week, but looking much beyond it and looking how it can actually get to where it wants to get to and, and what, is a, what is a realistic timescale uh, in doing that and what are the actions that need to be put in place. You know, the, the role of the chief executive in many ways is to manage that level of expectation. Everybody wants to win. Every team can't win. Half the teams that play get beat. And that's the nature of sport. And we've got to learn that uh, sometimes you get beat, but uh, you got beat simply because the other team is a bit better than you. Other times it's because you've been unlucky. Whilst week-to-week results are important, the most important factor is the direction of travel that an organisation is going in. And is it getting the component factors right within its organisation to give it their best chance of achieving success in the future? Looking back over our last 20-odd years, of, of playing the sport is we know what are the factors that lead to a successful team. So and I think it's fair to say that some clubs who have never been in that position are still learning. They're still trying to find out what indeed are those factors, what do we need to put in place. In many ways, the teams that have been successful and the people that's been involved in that success are at an advantage because they've got a track record and they've got prior knowledge. But of course, there's a lot more needs to be put in place surrounding the organisation to make that happen. If you had to cook up certain ingredients for those successful things, what would be the major ones that you're looking for within an organization? Yeah, I think uh, we are a people business. So, you know, we are very dependent on the qualities and abilities of our people. So, you know, all our fans and our sponsors and our, our staff, we're all people and we need everybody to be passionate about our organization and to actually add some value. And a fan can add value by being a fan. That is adding value. Everybody needs to know as an organization, what are we striving to achieve? What is the plan to actually achieving that? And what are their role within the organization is and how their role can actually affect and influence others within the organization as well. So I think communication is absolutely essential that goes right through the organization. And I think the, the management, the leaders of your organization have got to be constantly reinforcing that message, being aware of where standards need to improve and and striving for excellence at all time. So all these are day-to-day challenges, but at the end of the day, they form part of a longer-term vision. We've talked about how Leeds Rhinos have been such a stable entity of success in England for so many years. What do you attribute that to? I mean, there have been ups and downs. How have you pulled yourself out of the downs to get back to the top? I think, first of all, there's got to be an acceptance. There's no, I'm not aware of any sports team in any sport that's got a consistent level of success that lasts for years and years and years. To your question about communication, simplicity is the key. I think a lot of messages are, you don't quite know what's at the, what the message is actually trying to deliver. The message needs to be easily understood by everybody. So I think, you know, we at Leeds Rhinos are quite a simple, straightforward organisation. We do communicate, we do sort of uh, explain things, what we're striving to do and how we're actually doing. And openness about your communication is very important. 
And I think, you know, that's one thing that we at Leeds Rams have done pretty well. And I think you, you would have to ask our members uh, to, to, to ask them the question, even though it may not be de- delivering the actual message that the fan or the sponsor is wanting to hear. That's essentially, if you are dependent on your fans and your sponsors feeling partial of the club, it's important that they're informed about uh, how the club is travelling. What's your secret to coming out of the doldrums? I mean, the history of the Rhinos has been so successful in Super League, but what's your style of getting out of the pits, as they say? Well, there's no shortcuts, really. Uh, we are in a salary cap sport. So, you know, in other sports, soccer in particular, a club that might be having poor results may well go and change five or six of its players and buy new ones in. That opportunity doesn't exist in our sport. We've got to spend our money wisely. We can only spend the same as anybody else. So in theory, we should have a Super League of 12 teams where they're all fairly equal and all the results are unknown every week. Uh, and uh, to anybody could win the competition, anybody could come back. I think it's fair to say that this year's Super League competition, the Redford Super League, has probably been more competitive than any other competition I can remember. Clearly, injuries take its toll, but uh, if everybody turned their best team out every week, it would be very, very difficult to actually pick the results. Uh, in Leeds Rhinos' case, you know, I think we've got certain advantages. We're within a city. So we can draw on a bigger population than some of our competitors. And we've got a fantastic uh, stadium that's been here for 133 years. Provides a very good match day ambience. Uh, I think we provide very good match day entertainment. We make it very appealing for fans to come and want to be here. Uh, We're very involved in assisting with the development of young players and the participation of young players uh, we have a foundation, a charitable trust called the Leeds Rhinos Foundation, who are terrific work in the city, particularly in terms of rugby league development. The 31 community clubs around the city as well. But at the end of the day, you're still going to make the right decisions and have the right staff on board or the right quality of staff and the right chemistry within the playing group as well. So there's a lot of unknowns uh, and there's a lot of things you've got to get right if you're going to be consistently successful. So shifting gears, what are the biggest differences that you find in yourself? from when you first started being in the leadership capacity as opposed to today? Yeah, well, I'm, I can look back over 40 years, which is a fair stint, isn't it? You know, I've personally changed quite a bit. You know, initially, I was very much uh, just driven to actually delivering a project. So I'd you know, get an idea and actually look at doing pretty much everything myself, and just getting occasional people to play a role within that delivery of that project. Nowadays, just the opposite. I think uh, one of the things I've learned is the art and the value of delegation. Uh, You've got to delegate a variety of tasks and initiatives to people who are very capable of delivering them. And that requires a bit of skill, a bit of judgment as well. Can the people who you actually appoint to carry out that task, are they suitably qualified to, to do it? Are they passionate about it? Do they want to do it? Are they the sort that can achieve success? You know, what I strive to do is to give my management team as much ownership as possible Uh, as much support as possible, as much belief to be creative if required, but to also calculate the possible risks of creativity. Uh, And, uh, you know, the law of unintended consequences, what it may throw up, what you're not expecting. But we're all about, you know, constantly delivering new projects which give back value to the fans, to the stakeholders of the club, and, and help to grow our business. A lot of them we get right. Some of them we might get partially right occasionally. They might not be right at all. That's the art of judgment in many respects. What's a good example of one of those tough times that you had to go through as a leader where things just didn't work out? And how did you manage that? 
I think you've got to have faith in what your your beliefs are. You know, we've had quite a number of occasions where we've had to put our faith in our young players. And in sport, that's a difficult one because you know uh, from experience that young players uh, are not consistent in their performance and that uh, too many young players in the team are unlikely to achieve winning results. But if you genuinely believe in the quality of the players that you've got, and you genuinely believe that with experience and the need experience, the need to play to gain experience, uh, with that level of experience and quality coaching, that they will come through and be the fulcrum of your team. There's no way around not providing that opportunity and suffering the little bit of pain that comes along the way. It's, you know, when will these players come to fruition? You don't know. There's a lot of judgment cards. You've got to make your best judgment as to when you think it might be. You know, those are the sort of roles and the responsibilities of the chief exec, of the head coaches especially. And I think when you're making those judgments, you need to know that you've got the full support. In our case, our board of directors and our senior management team, if you're going to be making those judgment calls and leading from the front. And sometimes we have to have those tough conversations with individuals and people and whatnot. When you have to have that tough chat with somebody, what's your style? How do you like to approach the conversation? I think just being open and honest and uh, simple. Don't cloud the message with the ambiguity. And at the end of the day, I've never had a problem with those tough conversations and, and making the decisions because the underlying criteria has to be what is in the best interest of the organisation. And if it is, then, then that's the justification for making that decision. And I think a lot of managers get wrapped up in personality issues and let emotional issues take sway. So you've got to take the emotion out of the decision-making. Uh, it has to be based on primarily performance and judgment going forward and in what's in the best interest of the organisation. What you've done at your time, not just with Leeds Rhinos, but all these other projects, you were one of the key innovators for Sheffield Eagles. What's your style of innovating? What draws you to it? And when you're innovating with others, how do you motivate others to innovate? I am an optimist uh, and I'm all about growth and expansion and development. But at the same time, you've got to temper that with realism as well. Is it a realistic chance? And you've got to weigh those factors in as well. And, and the outcome of that often depends on whether you are a fairly positive person or a fairly negative person. Are you a glass half full or a glass half empty? So I think, you know, there's, there's a variety of sort of judgment calls to be made. But I'm constantly looking for growth. I'm constantly looking for expansion. Uh, constantly looking to get bigger and better uh, for the betterment of, in our case, the club and indeed the game. A bit like a player. A player looks for opportunities. You know, the really good players are looking for opportunities. And then when you spot an opportunity, you've actually got to go for it. You can't uh, prescribe and, and and wait and dither and think about it too long because the opportunity might, might disappear. You've actually got to go for it. So it's actually making that judgment call, spotting that opportunity, and then having a plan that, that says, this is where we're going. This is how we're going to get there. What's a great example in your leadership history of one of the tough times that you had to lead through? And how did you overcome that hurdle? Well, my toughest times were, have not been at Leeds. Uh, my biggest challenges were previously at Sheffield Eagles, uh, which was a very, just the opposite type of club to Leeds. Leeds have got a rich history, a, a big potential support base, a terrific facility. Sheffield didn't have any of that. It, it didn't have any history at all. It didn't have any support base and it didn't really have a facility. So that was a real challenge in itself. Uh, and it didn't have a team. Uh, basically, it wasn't uh, a viable 
uh, entity either. And the, the achievements at Sheffield Eagles were done without any external finance. So we had to could only spend what we earned to we had to generate as much income as possible and be very creative about generating income as well. Uh, and to do that without a successful team was even more challenging. So there were a lot of times when uh, you know, it would have been quite easy to give up and to, to, to do something else. But I'm a big believer in stickability. I think it's a great word, is that stickability. And if you really believe in something and you believe that uh, you can achieve it, then you've got to really stick with it. And you've got to stick with it knowing that there's tough times to be manoeuvred and dealt with, but you've just got a positivity about actually coming to at the end. And then when you actually do, then it's so much more rewarding. I can recall a lot of occasions where, to be honest, we didn't have an answer. We had a problem, but we didn't really have an answer. You've got to create one. Because if you don't become creative, then you've lost. And that brings out the best in certain individuals. We talk a lot about feelings, not just the kids and I, but on the show as well. How did you feel when you were going through the tough times? How did you manage those feelings? Uh, What were they? And what did you do to persevere? I had the benefit of a very supportive wife, uh, recognised in the early days what I wanted to do and what I needed to do to actually make some progress. And uh, Kath couldn't have been more supportive. Uh, at a time when we got three small children as well. Uh, so that, that was uh, very important. And without it, then, you know, probably would have had to make a different decision. You find people that can be very, very supportive, people who you probably least expect to be supportive, by sharing the problem with them and the challenge, it becomes a shared problem. And the more people you can actually involve in that solution, the better. And especially for people with ability, uh, creativity and uh, connectivity as well. In our days at Sheffield, that inspired us to actually becoming quite creative and ultimately quite productive as well. And we both know that Kath is also quite a leader, not just uh, from that experience, but from her extensive experience in the rugby league and sports industry as well. So one of my favorite questions that I like to end the show on, if you have any good leadership advice that you wish you knew sooner, what would it be? Leadership is quite a, a broad description. And there's no right and wrong way. There's no textbook that's going to tell you how to become a good leader or a textbook that said how you know your, your leadership skills will fail it is very much down to personalities down to character how people do things it can vary uh, and i'm sure there's been loads and loads of examples where people have done things differently but achieve the same results there's no necessarily right and wrong way i think that it's a human characteristic at the heart of good leadership is a determination and a passion and an enthusiasm and a knowledge in terms of what you're striving to achieve. And then it's, it's about being quite coordinated and planned and skilled in terms of identifying who can do what. And that, so therefore, it becomes a real team effort. And it's a rare gift to be able to spot those sort of qualities in individuals. Some people have got that gift and those that have uh, tend to be quite successful, I reckon. Very well said. You can follow Gary and Leeds Rhinos at Leeds Rhinos and hashtag Leeds Rhinos on social media platforms. Gary, I'm so happy you're on the show. Thank you for being on Lead from the Side today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening today. And thanks to our sponsors. More information about the show and our guests can be found in the show notes. You can follow the show on Twitter or LinkedIn at Lead from the Side or myself on Twitter or LinkedIn at BallsOutPhD. If you want to contribute to the show, send us an email at leadfromtheside at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next time, and remember to lead from the side.